Scripture reading for tonight comes from Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and few words. And as men migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. The word of the Lord. This story of the Tower of Babel, I don't know if you remember, but I preached on this not too long ago. And what I wanted to talk about today, well, let me just put it this way. What, listen for what's in between the words. It's really not about the Tower of Babel. But I don't feel, how do I say, uh, free to speak freely. The Tower of Babel is the biggest project these newly created people have ever taken on. It's humanity's first major building project. And it's an ambitious one. I mean, the Ark, of course, was massive. And it's even more impressive if you actually know how long a cubit is. But that was primarily the work of one guy and his family. And, I mean, even though it did serve as the ersatz womb for the rebirth of all creation, the ark was the Lord's idea, not the people's. And Noah was basically working from the Lord's blueprints. But the Tower of Babel, 100% people initiated, designed, and constructed. The whole story is only nine verses long. Nine verses long in the 11th chapter of Genesis. But it is nearly universally recognized. There are versions of this story not only in Genesis, but in the Quran as well, and all over Sumerian, Babylonian, Incan, Hungarian, and Irish folklore. It's the subject of operas, these nine verses, ballets, 
plays, of course, countless paintings, most famously by the Flemish master Bruegel, his his 1563 masterpiece, in which the tower is patterned after the Roman Colosseum. What is it about the story that continues to resonate over time? Is it simply the language thing? Is it just a really good pourquoi tale? Like how the leopard got his spots or why a snake doesn't have legs? This story tells us why people are spread out all over the world and speak different languages. That's part of it, for sure. But there's another element to this story. Something about humanity's striving and perceived hubris in tension with the reader's niggling dis-ease about God's reaction to the unity of the people. Like, aren't we supposed to get along? Fresh from the flood, the whole earth is devastated. And here the people come together. They get busy making the best of a bad situation. The Genesis text says that everyone on earth was one, together. And they all spoke the same language. And they all decided to head east together until they found this place in the flatlands of Shinmar. They all agreed that it was a good spot to put down roots. So they said, let's all make bricks and get some of this bitumen for mortar and let's build ourselves a city together. Like you can hear the cry go out, right? Yeah, all right, we're building a city. Let's do this thing. You know, just your average run-of-the-mill, rah, rah, let's get pumped up fair. But then somebody adds in, and let's build a tower that reaches all the way up to heaven. Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered all over the face of the earth. And all the people who at their fists in the air are starting to yell, yeah, sort of trail off and think, um, looking at one another puzzled. Um, a tower that reaches heaven? What? Why exactly are we going to do that? I mean, I was at the city thing. I was totally on board with, with the, but, and like, is it even possible? And like, like, wait, make a name for ourselves? Like, make a name for ourselves with who? Like, who are we trying to impress? You know, we're the only people on earth, and we're like all here. What does that even mean? Make a name for ourselves? And then someone else, a little panicked, said, and what do you mean by otherwise we're going to be scattered all over the face of the earth? Someone else seeing where this threat is going says, you're saying if we don't do this making a name for ourselves with this crazy tower thing that we're going to be scattered all over the face of the earth? 
Do you realize how whack job that sounds? Like, how would we even be all scattered all over the face of the earth? Like, who could possibly do... Then it dawns on the questioner. Then a few more take it up, but in a whisper. You mean... See, after the great flood, God and humanity seem to have some, well, a lot of unresolved feelings about each other. On God's part, God is just sort of at a loss, you know? Like, what else can he do? He threw them out of the garden. He thought for sure everyone would straighten up after he basically then destroys the whole earth with a flood. But as soon as there's a little bit of dry land, they just start back at it. Same behavior. And he couldn't really do the flood thing again. I mean, he promised that he wouldn't, but that was as much because it didn't really have much an effect on them as it was compassion. And the people on their part, well, it's sort of hard to forget that God once nearly wiped all of them out. So even if he says he won't do it again, it's always sort of in the back of their minds. So God, at this point, mostly keeps to himself. And the people, they just decide to focus on figuring some things out on their own. Sure, God and the people are polite when they see each other, but they keep the conversation light, you know, tiptoe around any subject having to do with disobedience or the weather forecast. One looks like rain and the whole thing comes up all over again. This tower and making a name for themselves? Maybe this is sort of a defensive move on the people's part. You know? Some preemptive action to guard against God's next play. Which some think might be scattering them all over the face of the earth. The story goes on with the Lord actually coming down from heaven, out of the sky, from outer space, to the earth, to see the city and the tower the people are making, the thing that they're working on all on their own. And God is impressed. But a little, um, what is it, alarmed maybe? Or is it concerned? The Lord says, I don't know, to himself? Or to angels in heaven? Or is it an aside to the reader? The Lord says, look what they did. They are all united, one people. They all have one language. And this is their first project. Now, nothing will stop them. Nothing will be impossible. They will be able to build whatever they want to do. This is not good. 
In the Genesis Rabbah, the rabbi says that this is the second of only ten times that the Lord comes down from above. The first time was when the Lord was walking in the garden looking for the people. The second time, the Lord comes down, and clearly the relationship with the people is a bit strained. Because the Lord does not go looking for them. It's more like he's checking up on them. Looking at the work from afar and then not liking what he sees. And without a word, he does not speak a word to them. He scatters the people all over the face of the earth. This is exactly what they were afraid of. This is exactly what they thought the Lord was going to do. And not only the scattering, the next part they didn't even see coming. He confuses their language so they cannot understand each other. Can't communicate. (laughs) What possible reason could the Lord have for doing this? I mean, you read the story, and it's remarkable and well-known, but you're just like, why? Why? I guess the plain reading of the story is this. If you're just to read it as someone else's folktale, you would say, oh, well, clearly God is threatened by them, or at least wants to keep the people in their place. This is a creator and creation at odds like even opponents. Franz Kafka, Franz Kafka seemed very taken with this story. He just wrote about it repeatedly on four different occasions. He writes in um, this city coat of arms that had it been possible to build the tower without ascending it, the work would have been permitted by God. Kafka sees this tension at play between the aspirations of the people and the assumptions about themselves necessary to make these achievements possible, this desire to reach up, to reach for God or beyond themselves, or reach beyond their own abilities or beyond their bounds or their earth-bounded self. As some sort of impulse or action or trajectory that God just finds impermissible. But also, he says, this is the very impulse to continue creation which God commanded them to do. When he blesses them, he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. There is some paradox deeply integral to the makeup of the human species. This deep paradox. It's that that which compels us to question, to experiment, to create something beyond what we have previously experienced, to imagine something that has never been imagined before, something that does not exist This impulse seems to create 
as a byproduct, this side effect of this flush of power. This flush of power that is like a toxin in the blood or the soul. Like when we imagine that we can create, it takes a kind of hubris to make that step that there cannot help but be some sort of side effect, this toxin in the soul. Kafka further explores the reaction to this toxin in another story, The Pit of Babel. Like, and this person who is up there building this tower feels that he has lifted himself too high, raised himself too high. He's too close to God. So he comes down and he digs a pit in the ground, the same distance down, turning not only the story, but that impulse to create upside down. Tell it's like some sort of shame, regret, embarrassment at having assumed to such heights. And so this cycle of arrogance and shame, are they unavoidable results of this will to create or the act of creation by humanity? What do we do with this creator? What do we do with this God? What do we do with this creator that, who commands the people to be fruitful, to create, to subdue and dominate, not only commands the people, but gives them the will to create and be fruitful. Gives them the impulse to subdue and dominate. And then slaps them down when they do it.